Press C to cancel. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Press B to Cancel. My name is Guy Prime, and with me today, Pulsh109. Who are you talking to? Every, everybody. Everybody. The... It's only me and you here in Discord. Yeah, but I mean, like, eventually there's going to be, you know, them or, or they. Um, oh. oh, I guess so. Okay. I, I believe hi, that our downloads hi, are everybody. nearly double digits, so yeah, them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm specifically talking to my parents. Thank you guys for supporting Press B to Cancel. Today we're talking about Final Fantasy IV. I'm kidding, although it will probably come up. Today, uh, Paul <laughs> and I are going to be discussing formative gaming experiences. By that, I simply mean... Games that we played uh, when we were being molded and, you know, when we were impressionable, I suppose, as youngsters, you know, being initiated into the gamer life. I'm I'm still like an impressionable adult, but I like to think I'm a little bit smarter than when I was like six, I hope, because that was 30 years ago. That's fair. Okay. Well, then, you yeah, you can talk about recent let's, games. Let's just assume I am. Anyways. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll assume so. All right, so what we're talking about today is games from our youth when we were coming up in the video game. Uh, I, for me, it's the golden age, I assume, you know, Nintendo, Super Nintendo, that kind of era, the Genesis. So we're going to be talking about not just our favorite games, but games that when we played them shaped us into the gamers that we are today. Paul, does that kind of category make sense to you? The, the gamer that we are? Okay, cool. Okay, yeah. So that was the kid that wanted to play everything and thought he beat everything, but he really was just like, I want to try this one. No, I want to try this one. I want to try this one. So, okay, gotcha. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, let's go and start with you because I'm still iffy on the con uh, on, on the, the content of the idea. <laughs> uh, <laughs> when, when we talk about formative gaming experiences, you know, things from your childhood that really made an impression uh, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? And why? Oh, man, I want to say Final Fight because I wanted to kick ass, but no, that's, that's probably not it. Uh, that was just satisfactory, you know, mm -hmm. trying trying to kick kick my ass or kick people's asses through the city and save my girlfriend. So maybe that was it. But no, I I think a lot of it was just for me the formative stuff. I didn't really recognize as a kid. Mm -hmm. It was more. The, just the satisfaction of playing games. I couldn't stop playing them. Uh, I was like, ooh, Zelda 2. Ooh, uh, this and that. Like Battletoads. I never got past the second level or third level. You know, Turbo Tunnel, like everybody else. So I think a lot of it was just kind of trying out everything and seeing what I actually liked because the younger I was, the more I just wanted to play any game in general. Sure. Well, as you're playing any game in general, like... Did you come across anything, even as you played it or as you beat it, where you were like, that was, there was something about that that stood out to you, something that set it above or apart from the others, where you kind of, how do I say, have you ever seen a movie or a performance that was so incredible that even as you left the theater or the venue, you can't, like, it doesn't leave you? 
Do you know what I mean? Like it just kind of stays with you for a couple days. Have you had any video games that have done that for you? Yeah, for movies, it was super bad. Uh, <laughs> right, but yeah, video games. What's what's your? You by the way, super bad. You are showing tremendous emotional depth and complexity today, my friend. It was it was like a, you know that awkward time in my life, but it was on the big screen, and you know, I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm I'm having trouble thinking about it because it's more okay. I think. By the time Super Nintendo came around, I was a little bit more into certain kinds of games. I wasn't trying to play everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm probably going to say something like, you know, of all things, Final Fantasy Mystic Quest. Really? Because, yeah, because it, it's, you know, it's easy mode. Everyone makes that funny of how easy it is and simple. But it was formative for me because it was the first time I played this role-playing game first before i watched like my brothers played my brothers played final fantasy 4 fell in love with that game but i beat mystic quest by myself and my brother basically watched you know he he joined in every now and then but it was basically me doing doing all the the work all the heavy lifting and so when i kind of got that role-playing thing you you just kind of you know i want to be the hero i want to be you know saving the saving the town or saving the girl or whatever so I think that was probably one of the most satisfying. I mean, it's not like I came out of it and said, "Yeah, I want to be a, I want to be a guy that shrugs for comedic value every time somebody says something." But because uh, <laughs> that's that's essentially the the main arc for him. Just you got to do this, you got to do that, and you just kind of did it. So I don't know. It, it, it's been really cool to think about, but at the same time, it was those formative experiences for me was probably more like subconscious than anything i haven't actually put that thought into it until maybe the last 10 15 years interesting i i kind of have this theory about people who are super into rpgs which includes myself but i think there's a certain healthy amount of ego that goes into the people who want to sink dozens of hours into a single game Part of it is, of course, the heart and dedication behind the process of going, you know, beginning to end, learning these characters. But I think the ego side of it, because I'm I'm 98% ego, for anybody who hasn't met me, I'm incredibly egotistical uh, in the best sort of handsome way. It's that, <laughs> it's that prog musician in you, that's all it is. Oh my god, we're not getting into that. <laughs> yeah. But, but I, I think the reason I, I, I say that is... It's not enough to just show up, blast some guns, and run around and do flips for 20 minutes. Like in Contra, it's there's going to be a lot of <laughs> a lot of story and a lot of hours and grinding dedicated to my story. And by the time I save the universe, y'all are going to know everything about me instead of I'm the guy in the blue pants. You know what I mean? And yeah, I, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, so w- when I came up with this short list of the most formative gaming experiences for me, um, a, a good number of them were from the Final Fantasy franchise, specifically 4, which you and I both know we love. We don't need to rehash all of that, uh, but 7 as well. And the reason that I say that, other than the ego thing, is 7 specifically. You know, I was 13 years old when that came out. I sunk in, I think it was 60 or 70 hours, my very first playthrough of it. 
And by the time it was done, aside from just how weird the ending was in my in my 13-year-old brain, I was, like, sad. Like, there was that melancholia that comes with, what am I going to do now? It's like when you finish an amazing book or the credits start to crawl in a movie that really impacted you. You just stop you get and you're like... last feeling. Yeah, I'm not ready to, to leave that world. And so, you know, with Final Fantasy VII... I don't even think I finished the entire ending. Um, I, I reset and erased my original file because I didn't want the option to go back and re-beat it and watch the ending. I just wanted to start the game anew and try to hold on to that that first playthrough feeling, that blind run-through feeling before I knew that what it was called. Because when you're, yeah, you devote yourself to it and it's done, what are you going to do? You know what, I you know I kind of had a lot of that too because I, sp- I, I spent so many hours, I just sunk like a good 300 hours or something into that game when I was in high school. And that was years after it came out. But I think for me, one that, uh, one that I know that like gives me nostalgia for at the same time. And I felt a little bit more connected to was one that's not as popular, but it's uh, still, I mean, a famous one. It's legend of dragoon and that's around the same era. Right. And it plays, I mean, it's, it plays like a final fantasy game, but you have, you know, the timed hits and stuff. And it was it's satisfying, and just that uh, I don't know. There's something about the arc. There was definitely um, gaps in where the the story, you know, kind of dropped off and cheap. Uh, not not so much gimmicks, but like just cheap ways to shoehorn stuff in, and especially near the end. But I just remember caring about the uh, about the characters because in Final Fantasy VII, you know, you lose. You know who. I'm not saying her name because out of respect. That that super sexy chick, Sephiroth. Yeah, yeah. And then there's um there's a similar one, but it's not so much like a like a, a possible love interest. It's more like a bromance because you you lose someone close to you pretty early in the game. Like, you know, probably within the first quarter to the first third or something like that. I can't remember how early it's been a while but i I just remember being like no man because i i used to name characters after myself and my friends so Mm -hmm. then my my friend died and i'm like no (laughs) so it i think that gave me quite an emotional response now because so the first time i've played an rpg now so i don't want to have that experience again i kind of leave all the names the same when i can choose them Mm -hmm. because i'm like okay no i I don't want i want to have the gravity of it stay in this world so I was like, okay, no, like I didn't expect my friend was dead in real life because he died in the game. But right, right. It, it it did it did kind of hit you in the stomach, and I'm like, okay, this is you got you fall in love with your girl or whatever. You're trying to rescue her. Your friend dies. I just thought it was it had some really cool angles in there, and it just made me think. And being an impressionable young kid, who you know, desperate to have a girlfriend and stuff, <laughs> it was like. Yeah, this this is this could be my story kind of deal. Right. So that that was I got to say, yeah, that's probably one of the most formative experiences for early junior high, early teenage kind of years. Yeah, and see, this is where I'm an asshole <laughs> because it w- I used to do that too. I would name characters and and games after myself and then people in my my orbit. And if a character ended up dying, that it was not somebody I was okay with having to deal with that emotionally, I would immediately think to myself who I was going to name that person the next time I played it. <laughs> yeah. 
but you know, to to your point about like the formative years and and the emotional uh, aspect of it, you know, I think RPGs lend themselves to the emotional half because of the character development. Um, and right. at the the point in time that you and I are kind of discussing for me, Final Fantasy VII, early teens. That's when a lot of kind of emotional development, I think, really does happen and emotional growth. So it would make sense that those would be formative um, and, and lasting experiences, uh, at least I think for people of our generation, the, the 30 to 40, 45 year old demographic. Uh, but that, that's, yeah, because yeah. then I think about some of the other games on my list. Uh, they are formative, but not so much for the emotional reasons, um, but like, you know, um, Contra. Now, I've said this on stream and probably on, on the podcast before, but legitimately, if you were ever to see a home video from my childhood, it would be, if we're not outside playing something, uh, you're going to hear Contra or Kung Fu playing in the background. Now, I was pretty yeah. good at Kung Fu even at an early age, but Contra, I had to work at, and as I started beating it, you know, the game became shorter and shorter as I could beat it quicker and quicker. But when I beat Contra, I remember thinking like, okay, I can be a part of the conversation now. I don't have to ask my older brother to finish it or, or my cousins. Um, you know, I can I can eat at the big kid table, uh, you know, in, in this regard. So that was, you know, one sort of thing. Or, um, you know, Batman the video game. That was a movie right. that I wouldn't really even allowed to watch right away when I was – because it came out when I was like five years old, six years old. And uh, – I never saw it till I was almost twenty, twenty one. The movie, yeah, that's it's great. like I, I played the games and stuff, but I never actually sat down and watched the movie until I was almost twenty. And Michael Douglas crazy. Keaton, if you're listening to this, I'm a big fan. Michael Douglas, actually, Michael Keaton's real name is Michael Douglas, but <laughs> this is true because of uh, Screen Actor Guild uh, rules. No two actors can have the same name, you know, because of whatever legal purposes through the through the well the SGA. So or S A G. So um, he had to come up with a stage name, and it was uh, Michael Keaton. But his f- real name is Michael Douglas. Anyway, not important. Uh, but no, I remember watching my cousins, you know, playing Batman and beating it with uh, relative ease. Who knows how long they worked on it? Uh, but that was one that I really had to work for. And by the time I beat it, I like that was a big impact on me because not only am I a huge fan of the Batman mythos, um, as I think most people are in the world anymore. But even from a young age, that was just this thing. And then when I beat it, I'm like, okay. I don't know. It, it, it's, it's fucked up to say, like, it's a, a part of me now. You know how, like, people used to eat their, their enemies' uh, brains so that they could absorb their own powers? Right. <laughs> Same thing, but with video games. I don't eat the video game, but once <laughs> I beat it, like, okay. This is... It is now part of me. This is part of me now. So those, those are, you know, when we talk about formative things, I don't want to just talk about the emotional... Uh, but there's also those kind of like personal badges of pride or badges of honor. How, how, what what do you got for those? Okay, yeah, you just kind of sparked something in my head there now because I remember the first the first time I ever played a game was the original Super Mario Bros. And my brother, like, I thought it was brand new when he got it. I thought like Nintendo was out for years by now, but I was too young to know any better. And I turned five, and I remember my brother bought one at the store called Woolworths. I don't know if that was in the U S or if it's just a Canadian thing, probably just Canadian thing, but uh, he bought it. And I remember him reaching up to the top of the shelf to get it. And he was so excited. And I was jumping up with joy because he was excited, but I didn't even know what it was. And then he brought it home. We were playing it. And I remember just everybody sitting on the floor and I'm five years old 
and I'm like trying to stay up late watch them play and they finally let me play and did the suit like the man for man kind of thing that everyone did as kids you know mm-hmm. everyone takes a turn and I finally jumped over like the first Goomba in probably three or four attempts you know it took that many lives for me to do it <laughs> and then I just remember everybody clapping like hey good job right and so it was like the first time I ever had like an achievement in a video game kind of deal and I remember that my, always looking up to my brothers because they're almost like one's 10 years older than me. The other one's like nine. So there was a big gap. And so they got better at video games than I did, but I caught up to them really quickly to the point where they were in was it high school, I think. And my, my oldest brother was playing street fighter two mm-hmm. on super Nintendo and his best friend was there and they got stuck on Blanca. And I remember they were just mad. They were, you know, one step away from cursing because they wouldn't curse around me because, you know, trying to be good role models. Uh, And yeah, so they went to the corner store to get some like, you know, chips and Pepsi and stuff like that, you know, just because they like, we needed to step away for it. Yeah. And I picked up the controller. I remember it being in my brother's room, lights were off and it was in the middle of the afternoon on like a Saturday. And I just picked up the controller and boom, first time took out Blanca. Oh snap! Yeah, got like th- got like three three uh, matches in, like three fights won without losing. By the time they came back, and they're like, "Did you start over?" No. How'd you do it? I don't know. <laughs> and then they were like, "Oh yeah!" And like so, it was just like the, it's like when like the the little kid saves the day kind of thing. That's what it felt like. You know, I, I might as well have been like up on someone's shoulders in a parade is what it felt like. It's the, it's, a, it's <laughs> so, the first time you beat the old man at basketball. That kind yeah, of thing. Exactly. But that sucks that they weren't there to, to see that. And I'm glad they celebrated you as opposed to being like, why would you rob me of that? <laughs> <laughs> no, they, they were like, you know, they wouldn't have expected it as the best right. part. So when I finally did, I just picked it up and I was like, okay, cool. And I got it. And just, it made me feel like I never saw it, but I, I felt like the wizard. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I just knew it was about uh, about a guy that was good at games. I was like, yeah, I'm the wizard. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's be- before Goodwill Hunting came out. That was your Goodwill Hunting moment. Yeah. Who, yeah. who is finishing all of these advanced equations when nobody is in the classroom? <laughs> oh, it's the janitor. Matt yeah, Damon. It's really just... <laughs> Really just, you know, someone spamming Hadouken, 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 Hadouken. No, no, don't do not do that to yourself. Take it again from the ego-ridden maniac. Uh, <laughs> you need to hype it up. You, you either need to say it was a final blow sort of situation, next person to even get blinked at dies, or flawless victory. Flawless victory. There you go. With. From now on, that's yeah, the story. Your, your yeah. brothers, they, they weren't, you know, talented enough, skilled enough to take down Blanca. I mean, who knows? Blanca's one of the hardest people. Maybe only four people ever have beaten Blanca. They went for Pepsi and Ladies. chips at Woolworths or whatever the <laughs> fuck. And uh, <laughs> do you guys have Pepsi up there? And uh, yeah, uh, I I, th- I think so. Yeah, I think I think they call it RC Cola up here. And then they came back and they're like, "Hey, what are you doing?" And you're like, "Who the hell was Mabison? Mabison was <laughs> yeah. easy. The yeah. ending to this game sucks." And then you know, walk away from the explosion. <laughs> Which, by the way, RC Cola is delicious. <laughs> I have an RC Cola cooler in my workshop I love that it. I got from an old job. And apparently it would work if you just get the compressor. But I'm like, no, I'm just using it for storing tools and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Tasty, refreshing tools. Like, yeah, I'm just like, oh, i got to keep, you know, got to keep this this router table nice and chilly. 
Zelda two. You had mentioned Zelda two in the opening. I don't. I, that was actually on my list as well. I wanna, I wanna talk about Zelda two for a second if you're okay with that. Um, sure. Okay, so I had found my copy of Zelda two in a place called the Book Barn in Joplin, Missouri, the same place I bought my copy of Metal Storm for two dollars ninety nine cents. Uh, okay. Zelda two. I, I at the time I was young enough, I didn't really remember which Zelda was which, but I remember the gold cartridges. Yeah. One was silver and one was gold. Is that how it worked? Wait, what? Were, was one silver and one gold? No, both were, were both gold? gold. Both were gold. Okay, cool. So I picked up Zelda 2 and had gone home, and I, I didn't really remember the games or the graphics. I remember the breakfast cereal that Mario and Zelda both had when I was a kid. Uh, so I just remembered the gold cartridge. So at this point in time, it's 95, and we don't have internet in our homes. Like, your rich family members or friends had that, but we certainly didn't. And the public library that was half a block away from my house did. So Zelda 2 is very special for me in that I bought the game. I was still probably too young to really figure out a lot of things for a game like Zelda 2. Because, uh, you know, I'm full of ego, but I'm also an idiot. Uh, <laughs> well documented. <laughs> so I remember walking my, my you Quote know. Number 11. My, my, uh, my 10 or 11-year-old self over to the public library and waiting for one of the three or four computers uh, to be free so that I could use the dial-up, whatever they had at the uh, the library, to look up maps for Zelda 2. And so I would print those off, pay my dime per sheet, take them home, study these maps, play the game. And I did that for what seemed like, you know, years. It was probably half of a summer because summers lasted forever when you're a kid. And right. I remember um, the week it probably took me to figure out, so probably two days, to figure out the final Ganon, you know, dungeon at the end. And mm-hmm. I remember beating that game and feeling like, okay, I just beat a like an RPG, like a questing game, a big kid game on my own. Not because I saw what somebody else did, but I put in the time, worked on it, printed out the papers paid my dime, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, I pieced it together myself. You know, whereas with Final Fantasy IV, um, which is my first RPG I ever beat, and, you know, obviously a huge game in my history, but Zelda II was the first one that was just me. It was right. just me, and I, I did that, and I that was like a, you know, the first time you tie your shoes sort of thing. You don't ever want to untie your shoes. You just want to show everybody and tell everybody that you did that, <laughs> whereas anybody could have done it. You know, it's tying your shoes. Who gives a shit? That's that's why I keep them tied, and I just slip my feet inside instead of like tying them up every time. <laughs> and then you just you retire after that from shoe tying, so you can go out on top. Yeah, man. Then you just stick with Velcro because it's like, well, fuck, I got nothing else to prove. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna end up in Velcro shoes when I'm old, anyways. This is fine. Uh, but no, I've always loved Zelda too. You know, we've always had discussions on various streams about uh, which Zelda is is Bay, and for me, it's too for that reason, like. That was before the ego took over, but that was probably one of the the seeds that germ, germinated. Whatever word I'm saying is the correct one, but it uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is it, now the, through the power of editing. Yeah, no, through the power of lore that we can control. Uh, yeah, so I, I've always loved Zelda two for that reason. Uh, do you have any any of those kind of big kid games that you just did on your own for the first time, where you're like, okay, I'm capable, even if it took me forever, I got it done. Oh, man, like there was some games were over my head, like uh, like uh, Act Razor with the building sim, Sim City. I used to like playing, but I'd never get very far because I just spend all my money real quick and trying to build stuff. So 
there was a lot of games that I wouldn't touch that my older brothers would because, you know, they're, they were a little bit more mentally prepared for it, I guess. <laughs> but uh, I remember going with Sim Ant for some reason, and I really okay. took to that game, even though I never got very far with it. I never beat it. I didn't know if you could beat it back then, and I just really liked it because it was basically edutainment, but, uh, you know, packaged to make it feel like a video game. I don't know. that I think it was because nobody else in the house played it. And I tried to show my older brothers one time, and they were like, I don't get it. And I had to explain it to them, so that was kind of like, yeah. Because I'm the baby, so when your older brothers are asking you for help, and you're like 10 or 11 years old, it's kind of like, I've made it. Oh, wow, yeah. See, I don't think I've ever had that experience where my older brother uh, has ever had to ask for my help with something. Not, not I'm going to talk to your older brother. Say what? I'm going to have a talk with your older brother. Well, he and I, at a certain point, you know, are, speaking of, you know, formative games, our, our taste in video games diverged uh, from each other. He was never into RPGs. You know, he's great at Tecmo Bowl. Uh, <laughs> I've beat him. If I were to say, like, the win ratio for him to me is like one-to-one, like 50-50, he would, t- he, he would take issue with, with that. Uh, but, you know, he, he's got a very different skill set. You know, Guitar Hero... Um, and, and, and sports games, whereas I'm, you know, RPGs and shit like that. But then we have this really cool, like, Venn diagram in the middle of all the stuff from our childhood. Ninja Turtles, you know, Contra, um, the Mario games. See, one of the things, like, I, I figured I would put Mario Brothers on this list for formative stuff, but I can't because that was... Well, I guess I, I, I could because Mario 3 is so great, Mario 2 I have good memories with, but it didn't really forge anything inside me until... Mario 64. This is the only Mario game on my list, and here's why. Mario uh, 6 came out in, I think, 96, right? I was like 12 years old, 13 years old. And um, I was, my brother at that point was not really into video games. He had a Sega, but he had like um, NBA Jam and and sports games. He had Sonic. Uh, And we didn't really game too much together, but the neighborhood kids I would play games with, and our neighbors across the street, <laughs> they they got a 64 and they had pilot wings and they had Mario. So we played Mario 64 and I was one of the older ones but not the oldest, but I was probably the better of the video game players out of that group. So I was kind of the pioneer of 64. It's always the good feeling too knowing it's like, yeah, I can do this better than you. That's As a right. kid it's just like now I'm like it's no competition and I and I enjoy watching my friends stream games and when they struggle I'm like it's cool it's cool you know people enjoy the struggle but as a kid you know watching someone struggle is more infuriating because I'm just like let me do it let me do it <laughs> so well but that was the first time where people looked up to me as as a gamer you know what I mean instead of me watching my older cousins or the older people on the block that was the kids handing me the controls and saying can you do this for me or you know whatever so we got through Mario 64, and um, I don't remember if it was all 120 stars or not. I, I doubt it because I didn't have, like, gamer guides and all that. Um, so it was probably just over 60. Again, I couldn't tell you. But I remember playing 64, um, and there were, like, five or six of us from the neighborhood who were sitting in that house. And uh, it was, you know, throwing Bell, uh, Bowser into the bomb for the last time and picking up that – or not even picking up the key, but, you know, doing the, the whole ending and, and – it's not that everybody stood up and clapped. I just felt like I performed some sort of open heart surgery. Uh, <laughs> but it's not about me. It's about the legacy, you know? 
I'm right. kidding. But Mario 64 was formative for me in that that was uh, a, a coming of age sort of thing where I realized, okay, I've, uh, I, I'm now where the people I looked up to were when I was a kid, if that makes sense. Yeah. And of course, Mario 64 being a 3D type game as it was, you know, it was a, a groundbreaking system in a lot of ways. That was just, that was a really cool moment for me was, uh, was being the guy to beat 64. Gotcha. Yeah. I think, I think we got a werewolf in the chat. I'm just a fly on the wall. Shh. Are you recording? I am. Okay, cool. <laughs> okay, cool. We're talking about we, formative we got... gaming experiences. Yeah, dude. Do you want? Do you have anything like that was memorable for you growing up? Something that you remember for personal reasons? Bubble bath. Emotional babes? response. Anything? I, Bubble bath. I babes. always, I always remember I was playing Super Mario Brothers at the age of two, back in 1985. You formed memories at the age of two. I did. I'm a little bit before, actually. I'm a bit freaky like that. I'm not surprised. <laughs> and God, your voice sounds great tonight. It's a little werewolf after dark. Yeah, I'm thirsty. <laughs> what was the that? wife and kid are in bed, so I got to keep it down. Oh, sure, sure, sure. sure. Okay. <laughs> okay. So yeah, yeah. Let's all, let's all start whispering. Yeah. Uh, you were about 700 days old, and you were playing Mario. <laughs> yeah, better than my mom, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. So I, I will always remember Super Mario Brothers for the NES as like the game I played as a kid. And I think I touched, the, uh, I, I, I talked about this on a previous episode where I actually assigned word sounds to the game sounds. So like the pipe was kibe, kibe, kibe. Mm-hmm. Jumping was blore. Blore? <laughs> yeah, blore. Yeah, kibe, kibe. Like that's. And I I think uh, the shell was hiccup. Oh yeah, that that fits. Oh, I like it. Yeah. Either hiccup. that or woodup. It might have been woodup. Woodup. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but that, yeah, that was basically my most formative gaming experience. Okay, well hold on, I want to I want to point this out. <clears throat> Paul and I are talking about like emotionally formative things. You're talking about like forming words because you yeah, were no. two <laughs> fucking years old. <laughs> no, I mean that's when I started. Playing games, of course. I thought that's what this was. If it's emotional, then we skip we skip ahead to like age ten. Oh no, it, it's not all emotional. That was more the RPG section. I was just being silly because you were two years I old. I was about to skip ahead to an RPG. Well, go ahead, please. Final Fantasy Four, of course. Of course, it was my first RPG. It yeah. was. I didn't know games could have that sort of storytelling, and it. I mean, it blew ten-year-old me's mind away. I was like, "What? There's there's things besides killing vampires and evil robots, you know?" Which is the staples of the of the era, to be honest. Which and honestly, both of the things you just described are in Final Fantasy One: vampires <laughs> and, and and robots. That's, that's fair. Yeah. But there's there's also you know l- death and loss and. Things like that, and it was like, holy crap! And sure. I honestly think that made me appreciate more uh, other game formats that ventured to tell stories, like the Mega Man X franchise. At least the first one, it explored death and loss. Mm-hmm. That's perfect. That's actually on my list. That is the one game on my list I hadn't mentioned yet. Was Mega Man X. <laughs> <laughs> so. Just because I miss so much, 
just run me through real quick the games you guys did talk about already. Uh, okay, well, Paul sh- opened up by joking about Final Fight, and then he had some really cool um, experiences showing up his brothers in um, Street Fighter. So that kind of covered our base with like the form- formative, you know, like beating your old man at a game of basketball for the first time kind of feeling. Um, I addressed Final Fantasy IV and Final Fantasy VII as the emotional heft of like finishing a great movie or finishing a great book where as soon as it's done, what do you, what do you do? You know, you have that melancholic feeling. Um, there's the games, you know, from your youth where like you beat it and you didn't need anybody else's help. You know, you can eat at the big kid table is kind of how I described that. So those, you know, the, the uh. formative conversation is most, mostly just like what was the game where you did something and then you realized, you know, I am in, in one way or another. Hmm. That's an interesting thought. I think the first difficult game that I beat that like really gave me an adrenaline rush when I did so was gosh, I want to say it was either Blaster Master yeah. or Dragon Oh my god, Dragon Spirit. It was one of those. And I'm not even a shmup guy, but I had Dragon Spirit on the NES and I loved that game. And both of those games gave me that sensation of like, holy crap, I'm about to beat it. Holy crap, I'm about to... Holy crap, I beat it. You know? Mm-hmm. And then for the next 20, 30 minutes after you beat it, you're just so full of adrenaline. You're shaking and you can't contain your excitement and you're like eight years old and you're like, oh my God, oh my God, now what? <laughs> yeah. That's a great feeling. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, it didn't happen for me until I was like 22. <laughs> it's not a feeling I get all that much anymore. I kind of miss it a little bit. Really? I get it with the odd game, but not regularly. I I think games that have timers or like racing games, specifically racing games for me, rock and roll racing, Top Gear, uh, those kind of games growing up, like I had a lot of photo finishes. And, you know, when you, you increase those difficulties from novice to, you know, veteran and all that kind of stuff, uh, and those, those races, you know, Mario Karts, all the Mario Karts, the higher the CC, the closer the finish, uh, the more adrenaline, the, the shakiness, and, and the testing of your metal. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm, I'm a bit of a junkie when it comes to that with video games, absolutely. Do you test your St. Anger metal? It's the weakest metal, right? It is the weakest. <laughs> <laughs> to date, still my favorite meme. <laughs> and there's some really great Nickelback memes out there as well. But, uh, okay, sorry. Go ahead, Werewolf. I think the last great formative gaming experience I had was probably with Lunar Silver Star Story Complete for the PlayStation. Yeah. Because I knew I was nearing the end of the game, and I just, I so didn't want it to be over. Mm-hmm. that I kind of slowed down my pace of playing it. I don't know if you guys have ever done that. Mm-hmm. But, like, you play it a little less every day just because you like you don't want it to be done yet. You want to keep enjoying the, the experience. And I went and I bought a Sega CD and the original Lunar for Sega CD and Lunar 2 for the Sega CD. So that way I'd have plenty of Lunar after the PlayStation game was done. So then when I got all that, I tested it, made sure it worked. Once I knew it worked, I just, you know, blew through the tail end of Lunar for PlayStation and immediately started up on the Sega CD version. Right. You had something else to go to? Yeah. 
Uh, what were you saying, Paul? Oh, I was going to say my way of stretching it out was not playing it less. It was playing it more, but I, it was like Final Fantasy VII where I sunk you know hundreds of hours into it. I would just like level up, level up, level up for the sake of just keeping on going. And it's like the bragging point of saying I can kill the last boss in one hit or kind of deal. So that that was how I stretched it out. I wouldn't. I'd never play less. I'd play more. Just I'd do it more uh, conservatively, kind of way. And yeah, something I had mentioned earlier, Wolf, about Final Fantasy VII was I, I didn't even watch the entirety of the ending. Um, I was still I was thrilled that I'd beat it, but I was sad that I had beat it because again, I didn't know what I was going to do next. So instead of watching the ending, I just erased the file and started over. Um, oh, which I mean, wow. yeah, but it, to me, still no regrets at all on that one. Um, I it's just more so than even Final Fantasy Four. Final Fantasy Seven was that game where I just wasn't ready for it to be done. I didn't want to quit playing it. I didn't want to slow it down. I'll just play it again now that I kind of know. Plus, after a first playthrough, you know, there's always more stuff to go out and, and to to discover. You know who not to name, right? So and so, right? So, um. To, to Werewolf's point, as we kind of start to wrap things up, when he had said his his last formative experience that he had was, you know, uh, with that, how about you, Paul? What, what do you think is the most recent formative experience that you had? You know what? I want to say Bioshock Infinite. Okay. And it's been out wow. almost 10 years, if not more. But that game really, oh, man, it's the first game I remember that uh, the ending made me cry, and I'm, I'm like, wow, like I was like, it's a fucking video game. I'll never like, I don't get it, you know. I don't see why people cry at movies. I don't see, you know, that's what I was like when I was a kid. But this one, like, it hit me, and it was just, it's, it's in a world that I don't understand. It's very like Americana. It's very set in an era that I have no familiarity with. And then they had that fantasy sci-fi angle to it where, you know, you're in a floating city in the sky. But the story itself, the characters, uh, it's just so easy to fall in love with the characters. And there is an actual sense of loss. So it's it was really cool to see how it just went through. And you start out and you're like, oh, yeah, okay, let's, let's do this. And by the end of it, I'm just like, I, I'm not ready for this. And the ending... It's kind of a is it kind of a mind fuck too, so it makes you want to play it again. I, I I think my last or most recent <clears throat> formative experience in video gaming was uh March thirty first, twenty fifteen. Uh it's a date I've quoted many a time uh since starting Twitch, but it was the day that I had beaten Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the original NES uh Ninja Turtle game. Um, it was on the, the, I've got, of course, actually a couple copies of the cartridge, but I beat it on the Nintendo Wii uh, as part of their VC. And that was one game that uh, nobody was really able to beat thoroughly without the use of the Game Genie. And to beat it without the assistance of other people. Did you just hook a, a Luger into into the mic? What was that? I should I should have just went or something not a uh yeah you said it wrong oh okay sorry but uh <laughs> no I, I remember beating the game genie was or beating the game guy beating ninja turtles you got it yeah without uh without any assistance or any codes or anybody else watching 
um, just on my own. It, it, it was the closing of a, a a book that was left open on the table for way too long, you know. Um, right. It was it was this really great moment for me because I just remembered all the moments that we we rage quit as kids. And the only thing that could have made it better was if my cousins and my brother had been with me because those were my my brothers in arms with that game. Nobody could really figure this game out, you know, like the 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 dam was fine. Finding the technodrome we could do, but then shit gets nasty and tears were shed. And uh I remember beating it and feeling like at peace with that game finally. And I've gone back and beaten it a number of times since, and I still love that and have incredible nostalgia. But uh, it was the the ending of that that chapter for that game of, of just okay, I can I can beat this now. <laughs> as silly as it sounds, it was a big moment for me. Uh, enough that I will forever remember that date. What's that like? The only time I've actually gotten out of my way to beat something harder like that to me, like that I was always like impossible to me was. Super Ghouls and Ghosts. Oh yeah, but that what a solid that was victory, only a few right? Years ago. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm very proud of that one. Fuck yeah, <laughs> fuck yeah. So I, I admit, okay, this has been. I've really thoroughly enjoyed this episode. I hope we do more of these types of episodes. Uh, I, of course, I love all the episodes that we do, but there's you know something special from the time that I you know had seen this as an available option for an episode. It's been in my mind. I'm glad that we were able to talk about it. I'm thrilled that Werewolf joined us. Um, yeah, I'm glad I got to sneak in here. Yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> we, we may have to do another episode like this with all four of us because I'm going to want to ask, you know, Sick Jake these questions as well. So, um, yeah. Yeah, that was, that was special. And I feel like any time that I can get to know more about you guys, uh, I love it. And any time that I can let more of the world know more about me, I know they love it. Because, uh, again, <laughs> I'm 98% ego. <laughs> so you're welcome. Uh, that said, before we, we close out, are there any other memories or things about uh, this kind of category you guys would like to, to mention? One more. I'm going to quick one is Arkham Knight, the Batman game, the last in the in the series. Mm-hmm. That one with the character, I don't want to spoil anything, but that one, the main enemy behind it, the Arkham Knight, mm-hmm. when it gets revealed, I was like, I saw it coming from a mile away, and that didn't ruin it for me. That actually added to it, because I was like, first off, I caught it, and I'm like, yes. Right. But I, I, the way the uh, the villain in that game, you're the main antagonist, I guess is what you'd say, the way he related to Batman and the story arc between them, uh, it was... That one, that one really got me going, and I think that's probably when like the whole Batman DC universe kind of thing became my thing because I was just like that. That hit me in the feels, mm-hmm. and so yeah, it, it's a really cool game. There's some tacky moments with the the Batmobile, but I still love it. That's great. Werewolf. For me, I would say uh, one of the lesser moments I had since that last great one was probably with Jack and Daxter. Are those and those neighbor kids? <laughs> I was... Isn't that the, the serial killer that kills serial killers? Wow. So it was towards the tail <laughs> end of the That'd be a great show. PS2 I'd watch era. that. It was the tail end of the PS2 era, so like all three of them were out. They were all greatest hits, right? 
And my brother had the first one, and I was really digging on it. So I beat it in the middle of the night, and I just wanted more. And I, I you know, I loved what Jack 1 was. I ran out to Walmart at like 1.30 in the morning and picked up Jack 2 and 3 for 20 bucks each hmm. <laughs> to go home something, especially back and then. keep playing them. And I was just so hooked. Like the story, to me, the franchise's story hit its stride in the second game almost immediately. And just the way they kept ramping things up throughout the franchise, like, you know, at, at least the first three games. Like The fourth game that they made after Jack X was not that great. Jack X was a fun game, but it was it didn't really do a whole lot to expand the lore of the universe. But those three games, they had a lot of emotional moments. They had a lot of holy shit moments. And it was just something that wanted me craving more. And it's the kind of story I love to share with other people. Yeah. I like that. And and to that point, and I want you guys, I'll, I'll go in and update this probably sometime as an episode idea. Um, Twitch, like favorite Twitch games that we've played on on stream for, for people or with people. Because um, to that point, uh, and to, to kind of bring things full circle, Final Fantasy IV... For as great as it was when I was a kid, one of my favorite experiences with that game uh, was my first year of streaming, you know, on Twitch. Um, and I, I there are certain things in my life that, because I'm egotistical, I've always felt like, okay, this game was made for me or this thing was put in my life for me. And I always felt that way about Rocky. You know, I felt like, uh, or Dream Theater, I felt like these were my... I'm the biggest fan, you know, or like, this is just like my best kept secret. So finding out other people were into Rocky, I'm like, oh my God, you've seen that too? Well, of course, everybody's fucking seen it. Uh, so with Final yeah. Fantasy IV, I started that up and I'm like, guys, I'm going to play this game. This is a game that's very important to me that I love, that I know inside and out. It's a part of who I am and, and how I am, why I am, all that. And it turns out everybody loves this game or a lot of people love this game. And so not just finding kindred spirits for that game but being able to share that part of me uh because it is a, a part of me to be able to share that with the people in my community you know the uh the people who come to the channel to watch and, and tell me their stories and watch me as i play and share my stories um that that was a tremendous moment formative i don't know as far as video gaming formative definitely as a streamer and i think maybe we should have that episode the four of us where we discuss moments like that but what a powerful and, and impactful thing that video games can be. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it, it's such a cool thing and a blessing to be able to meet um, people based around that medium. So, yeah. I don't know, like I said, I guess You're I welcome. feel like being kind of deep today. You're welcome. Of course. I make everything better. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> Hopefully I was relatively on topic for what I had to say. Absolutely. <laughs> no, but that's okay. I feel like he was. Or if he wasn't, I don't mind totally adjusting was. the topic to suit his needs. <laughs> this is true. No, that was, that was good. Especially Kipe, 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 because I remember that from the uh, <laughs> from the sound effects one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's go ahead and wrap up here. Um, Werewolf, since you were the last one here, you can be the first one uh, to tell everybody where can they find you. Ah, here on Twitter. W-A-R-E-W-U-L-F-F. Eventually I'll be back to streaming, but I cannot say when. God, God, God. 
Kipe, kipe, kipe. Can, we, can we make that a hashtag? And, you kipe, know, kipe, kipe. Kipe, kipe. Yeah, right. Uh, and Paul 109 how about yourself, sir? Yeah, you can find me here. I have been known to stream on occasion at twitch.tv slash polish109. That's P-A-L-S-H-109. Very cool. And then, of course, I myself am Guy Prime. I don't need to tell you that because, uh, well, I just like to hear my own name. Anyway, Guy Prime for The <laughs> Therapy Couch. Uh, you can find me on twitch.tv slash The Therapy Couch or on YouTube and Twitter and Instagram as The Retro therapy otherwise of course i'm here with my boys on press b to cancel everybody thank you for listening and uh for for letting us get a little bit deep i this one was a little bit light on the dick and fart jokes so i'll try to make up for that next time oh yeah special thanks for music go to arthur the ancient found on soundcloud or the last ancient on youtube for more episodes, please visit our website, pressbtocancel.com. As well, feel free to like or subscribe at Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else you like to listen to your favorite shows. As always, thank you. This has been... Press B to Cancel.